Amen. You guys can go ahead and start taking your seats. Thank you guys so much. Let's make sure we, we fill up these first few rows. So glad to see everyone here tonight. Got a couple of things uh, I want to make you aware of uh, in case you weren't here earlier for some of the announcements. The biggest thing is this. Tomorrow, say tomorrow. Tomorrow is our small group kickoff, which is long overdue. We are so excited uh, to really get that launch and get that going. And uh, I want to kind of jump right into what we're going through because last week we spent some time in our new series called Growing. And last week we talked about growing up. If you remember, one of the things I mentioned is growing old is natural. Growing up is a choice. And we all have to make a choice to grow up spiritually. And I'm so grateful for that. Uh, this week, our title of our message is not growing up, it's growing together. And if you've been at Excel for any number of times, you'll quickly realize that small groups is a big part of who we are. As a matter of fact, uh, I was in a small group when I first came to Excel as a teenager over 15 years ago. I started the small groups as a leader in the format that we see them now. And uh, I have overseen small groups here at Excel for the last 15 years, uh, just shaping and developing because I really do believe that small groups is at the core of who we are as a ministry. Why do I believe that? Well, it's because it's what I see modeled all throughout Scripture. If you look in the Bible in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 2, God has just created Adam, and he's given Adam authority and responsibility, and, and he's created animals, and he has all these things, and he's got a relationship with Adam. But then God says it's not good for man to be alone. Let's make a helper suitable for him. What is God saying? He's saying, listen, he's not alone, obviously. He's with me, but he needs some people that are on his level. And, and it's kind of like, well, you're not alone, right? You got family, you got people in your life, but you also need people that are on your level uh, spiritually, your level emotionally, your level uh, age-wise, people that are on the same journey as you are. This is where small groups is unique than just your friends at school. I hope you got friends at school. That's great to have. But at the same time, you need friends that are attempting to draw closer to God because the people that you allow to have the most influence in your life, you also give the authority to have the most voice in your life, or I could say uh, the most leading of your life. And I've always hated that as a kid where they're like, tell me who you're with and I tell you who you are. And I'm like, I'm me, shut up. Like I never liked people putting that around me or putting that on me. But the truth is, who you surround yourself with has a big influence on your life. You know, I've traveled to a bunch of different countries, and, and when I'm in different countries, it doesn't take too long for me to start to take on their accent. Even when I'm in different parts of the states, you know, I was in Alabama this year. It wasn't too long before I was saying y'all and, and old, and I was just, like, it just be, it begins to adapt, right? Because the people you surround yourself with have a strong influence on you. And so what I'm saying is, as we just saying it, and this idea of pursuing God, if the goal in your life is to draw closer to God, then you want to surround yourself with people that are going to help you draw closer to God. If your goal in life is to get away from God, then you're going to surround yourself with people who don't want to have anything to do with God. And so you want to be careful to make sure, yes, you can have friends outside of here, and I hope you do. You should be an influence in the world. But if you don't have a core group of people that are trying to go in the same direction spiritually as you are, it's going to be very difficult. Because the reality is, people were created for community. We were built to be with other people. This is what's honestly made the pandemic so difficult. 
especially within the first year being isolated to the point where people are like, I don't care if I get sick, I got to go see my family. I don't care if I'm going to get a disease, I got to go see my friends. And there got to a point where we stopped wanting to wear masks and we didn't care about consequences because we were stripped away of community and we were desperate to get back together. As a matter of fact, in jail, the very worst thing you could do to a person is not the death penalty, it's the isolation, putting them in the hole, putting them in a small room by themselves with no contact with anyone else. It literally will drive you insane because the way you were created, the way you were put together, you were put together to have community. We are desperate for a community. Even those of you who are introverts and are like, no, I'd rather just have a book in a dark room, you know, with my little lamp on, and that's me, and that's peace. And I get it. That's maybe cool for a little while, but I guarantee you, at some point, you need somebody else to recommend another book. Like, you just need other people in your life. And so this is why we make such a, a strong emphasis in small groups. I know not everybody in your small group loves Jesus all the way. I know not everybody in your small group is even Christian yet or, or figuring out. But what I do know is everyone in your small group is there because there's at least an attempt to draw closer to God. And that in and of itself is enough to say, hey, listen, we need to come around and get together. I was just having uh, lunch the other day with one of my small group buddies when I was in Excel. He was older and eventually he became my leader. And, uh, and I laughed, we were, we were just talking, he was just you know, kind of mentioning how proud he was of all the things that God had done in my life and how proud I was of what God has been doing in his life. And, uh, and I remember at one point I said, hey man, I just need you to know how grateful I am. Because one of the things, I couldn't go to small groups, at that time it was at one of our leader's houses, I couldn't go to small groups unless he drove me because there was no bus that went out to where their house was, it was just outside of the city. So he would drive me every Friday to small groups. But because I was a teenager, my parents were really strict on my curfew. So I had to be home by like 9.30, the latest. Now the problem was at the small group that we were in, we would finish small groups about nine o'clock and then we would all hang out and you know play Uno and eat food and everyone's hanging out, having a great time. Everyone except for me, because I had to go home, I had a curfew. And I said, man, I need to tell you how much I'm grateful for you because every Friday night, you gave up hanging out with everybody to take me home. And the only reason you took me home is because you brought me to small groups. And I know you wanted to stay. I can see on his face sometimes how frustrated he was. He'd be like, man, you need to tell your mom to let you hang out later. And I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> but it was people who were willing to help me be a part of the group even if I couldn't stay as long as everybody else could stay. And I told him, brother, I never forgot that. I'm so grateful that you weren't so selfish that you weren't willing to take me because you knew you had to take me home. I want to talk to you about how important it is to grow together. And if you have your Bibles, I need you to look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 through 16. Now, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul is writing to a church that he established in a town called Ephesus. And in the first three chapters, he's talking about all the amazing things that God has done for us. And now he's, he's kind of shifting gears a little bit in Ephesians chapter 4. And he's trying to get them to understand, as a result of all the amazing things that God has done, hey, this is now what we need to do. And one of the things he zones in on is in verse 15 through 16. It says this, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ who is the head of his body, the church. 
He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing full of love. Now, throughout the New Testament, this is an illustration that God uses to describe his church. He uses a physical body as an illustration for what the church is supposed to be like. And part of why he does that is to describe the diversity of the church. Because a body is not made up of one hand. A body is not made up of one foot. There's all different types and parts of your body, each important, each very integral to you. Like if I came up to you and I'm like, hey, listen, we got to cut off one of your parts of your body, which you want us to cut off. You're going to be like, whoa, why do you got to cut anything off, right? It's not going to be like, you know, I've always hated my left pinky toe. Go ahead, get rid of it. Like every part of your body has a function. Every aspect of your body is important. And so God oftentimes describes that in an illustration to say, hey, this is the church. We are the body of Christ. We have come together. And it's kind of like the old Transformers or Voltron when, when all the parts, remember Power Rangers, when all the different Zords would come together and make Megazord. It's like when all the parts of the body come together, we make the church. The church is not the building. The church is not the old people that show up on Sundays. The church are the people of God, no matter your age, age, ethnicity, gender, the people of God that come together in his name, you now become the church. So the building can burn down and the church will still live on. They can outlaw church on Sundays, but the church will never die because the church is the body of Christ. Those that are brought together. You and I need to understand something. If you are a believer, if you have a relationship with Christ, you are now part of the body of Christ. And there's a few things that we need to understand because now that we're all part of the same body, we got to grow together, right? It, it, it's not healthy if only the left side of my body's growing and the right side of my body's not. Could you imagine if I still had a little baby arm? Like it, it wouldn't be healthy because the whole aspect of your body's growing. Now some parts of the body grow a little bit more than other parts of the body, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But the fullness of the body must grow because we are all together. Now there's a few things I need you to understand when it comes to that though. And here's the thing, if you're taking notes, write this down. We grow together when we keep Christ as head. We grow together when we keep Christ as the head of the body. What do I mean by that? I mean it's important to make sure we understand what it is that brings us together. We all have different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different histories, live in different parts of the city, have different perspectives on things, have different levels of, you know, athleticism, intelligence, creativity. Like, we're all very different, very unique. And so with all these differences, the common denominator, the thing that brings us all together, that makes us the body, is the head, which is Jesus. Okay? So I might have arms, legs, blink, but it's my brain that's making all these things function. It's my brain that's telling my arm to go up or my left arm to wave or, or, or my feet to stomp. It's my brain that has control over the fullness of the body. And the only thing that brings my body together is not just the ligaments and the muscles. It's the brain that causes all those to move in unison. The brain is still one of the most powerful things on the face of this planet. Computers have not caught up with the speed of the mind of what God has created. Our ability to see, recognize, moving. I mean, it is unbelievable what the head is able to accomplish. And it's Christ who is the head. Listen, the Bible says it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22 through 23. 
God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. If it's not for Christ, we wouldn't be a youth ministry. We'd be an after-school program. Okay? It is Christ that makes us a ministry. It is Christ that makes us together in unity part of the church. It is Christ that allows a 36-year-old man to have a relationship with teenagers, right? We are brought together in Christ. We don't have that much in common. I don't like your music. You don't like mine. Hey, it's all good. We love each other in Christ. Okay? I think some of your fashion is interesting. You think mine is boring. But we all come together in Christ, right? So there's so many things. Like, I was just laughing outside. Pastor came up to me. He's like, what's with that hat? What do you think, you're a fisherman now? I was like, Pastor, this is, this is cool. People think this is cool. He's like, people don't think that's cool. I was like, Pastor, you're 70. Like, you know, we're having this conversation back and forth. But what does a 70-year-old man and a 36-year-old man and a 12-year-old student have in common? Christ. Christ brings us all together and makes us a family. And so no matter our differences, no matter what issues we might have, whether you think the GOAT is LeBron James and I know the GOAT is Michael Jordan, it doesn't matter because we're one in Christ. And that's the beauty of it, that we can have our diversity. We can have our different opinions. We can have our different styles, and we don't have to be this one thing. The church isn't just one thing. doesn't just look like this one thing. We have all these unique aspects because we're brought together by one thing, which is Jesus. That, to me, is amazing, because people can come however they come in, and the head is going to help them understand how they need to assimilate to be a part of the body, not you or me. This is who Christ made us to be, but this is the important thing. I need you to pay attention to this, because this has been something that's been on my heart as I was preparing for this message. We come together under the head, which is Christ. Some of us, though, if we're not careful can become what I call spiritually brain dead. Here's what I mean by spiritually brain dead. It's when you have relationships with each other, but not relationship with Christ. It's when you fellowship, but Jesus is never brought up. It's when you hang out, but don't hold each other accountable spiritually. If we're not careful, we can show up to Jesus' house, but never invite Jesus. We can have relationship with each other and not have relationship with God. And sadly, because I've been in youth ministry for well over a decade, I have seen groups of friends, people that were in small groups together, that held each other accountable, that were challenging each other and praying over each other at the altar, not just walk away from God, but walk away from God together. So they kept their relationship, they just cut God out of it. As a matter of fact, I remember one of those young men told me, and, and we still have a great relationship to this day, and he was mentioning how, this is years ago, he was at a party and there was all types of non-godly things going on at this party. And at one point, one of the people noticed, hey, there was a bunch of us from Excel. You know, when we were younger, we all went to Excel. Let's take a picture together. Let's all the Excel people take a picture together. And he stopped them and said, I'm not taking that picture. <laughs> he's like, that's not right. And it's a funny thing. He's telling me, he's like, I know what I was doing there wasn't right, but that was like a different level of not right. Why? Because if we're not careful, our love for each other can supersede our love for God. And I need you to know, our relationship is bound together in our relationship with Christ. Does that mean I won't love you if you walk away from Christ? No, no, that's not what that means. I will still have a love for you, but our relationship dynamic might change a little bit. 
Because if God's going this way, that's where I'm going. If you all of a sudden decide to go that way, I'll still love you, but there's going to be some distance if you don't decide to continue to pursue your relationship with God. Because if it's between you and God, I choose God. And I got to have a relationship with the people that have a relationship with God. Why? Because that's my greatest goal. Because, you know, if the right arm is looking at the left arm, they're like, you know, we hate the head. They can leave, but they ain't functioning no more. <laughs> because apart from the body, the Bible says, uh, you are the branches, I am the vine. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you cut yourself off from God, you are spiritually dead. Or if I could say the body is spiritually brain dead. As a matter of fact, let's, God forbid, if you were ever in a horrible car accident, but <clears throat> often in hospitals, a person who might be involved in a really, really bad accident, they will have function throughout their entire body. And they will be on respirators and there'll be a machine that'll help them breathe. But technically their body is functioning, their body is alive, but there's no brain function. And they say when there's no brain function, you're essentially what they describe as brain dead. And nine times out of 10, there's really no coming out of that. So what they can do is by keeping the machines, they can keep you alive indefinitely, technically but you're really not alive anymore because your brain is no longer working. Listen, we can keep relationship for the rest of our lives, but if we don't have a relationship with Christ as the core of our relationship with each other, then we're spiritually brain dead. We've been cut off from the source, and now we're trying to keep each other alive, but really we're just walking dead. I want life and life to the fullest, but I need to have Jesus at the center of that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 18 through 19. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. So there's going to be a lot of people who might even speak godly things to you but are not a part of the body. You got to be careful to understand. I want to have a relationship with as many people as I can have a relationship with. But the ones that I want to have an intimate relationship with, and that's not just a romantic thing. That just means a closeness, right? If, I've always said intimacy very easily broken down is into me see. I'm allowing you to see into my life, and you're allowing me into your life. And we can do that in a safe space because we are allowing God in our lives here. And anything that starts to go against God, now I understand. That's a red flag. I got to pull away a little bit from me. You have to be careful in understanding that we want to grow together, but you can only grow together healthy. Remember the last part of that verse. It says, he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. We will grow as one if we keep God as head. So God has to be the source of our relationship. So here's some, some easy little things that I can help you with. Because one of the, the things that really makes me happy is when I see you guys having relationships outside of this room. When you're hitting each other up, when, when you're on each other's grams, when you're hitting each other and calling each other and, and going out and hanging out, I love that. That makes me so happy. But when you do that, don't forget to invite Jesus into the conversation. Now, I'm not saying like, you know, you're in the middle of a volleyball game and all of a sudden you're like, ho, ho, we got to pray. We got to make sure Jesus is here. Okay, I'm not saying you got to be weird. But I am saying is while you're having these relationships, make sure that he comes up. Hey, how are you doing spiritually? You know, we're having lunch. What are you reading in the Bible? Hey, what would you think of the sermon yesterday? P.J. was spitting that, wasn't he? 
I hope you said that. That's nice. But make sure that Jesus is a part of the conversation because the Bible says, from the depths of your heart, the mouth shall speak. So if the people you're having relationships with are never mentioning God, it's never coming up, I would argue it's never in. And you want to surround yourself with people that are full of the Spirit so that you in turn can be full as well. The second thing I notice in Ephesians is not just that we grow when God is ahead, but we grow together when each part of the body does its work. We grow together when each part of the body does its work. Every part of the body plays a role in growing the whole body. We don't always understand that unless we have a medical degree. You don't always understand the correlation between different parts of the body. So, for example, uh, my daughter at one point, when, they, when she was going from like her six-month checkup to her year checkup, they were looking at her chart and they're like, you know what, she hasn't really grown that much where we think she might grow. Now, this might just be, you know, that she didn't have a growth spurt or she might grow a little bit later because nobody grows at the same rate. But we're not seeing the kind of growth that we think we should be seeing. So we want to run a few tests. And what they did is they drew a bunch of blood and they were looking at her kidneys. Now, again, you're like, how do kidneys have anything to do with your height? But what kidneys do is it filters your blood, it filters a lot of your growth hormones, and if there's something wrong with the kidneys, it doesn't filter things properly, and it causes you to grow wrong or, or not grow in a way that you should be growing. Why? Because every part of your body has a role with every other part of your body. If you hurt your leg, and all of a sudden you start to overcompensate, right? Because your right leg is hurt, you start putting more weight on your left leg. And then your right leg gets healed, but all of a sudden your left hip starts to hurt. Why? Because during that time of pain, you were overcompensating on the other side. In other words, when something's not right in the body, it starts to affect other aspects of the body, right? When you, when you have a headache, oftentimes it's simply because you're not drinking water. When your body's not hydrated, your head's going to tell you something's not right. And so every part of the body has a role in playing together the growth of the body. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 through 21, listen to what the Bible says. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Why am I bringing this up? Because we need all of you in this room. None of you are indispensable. None of you are like, ah, well, I don't care if they stop showing up. No, I do care because every one of you adds something to the church. You add your gifting, you add your talent, you add your encouragement, you add your smile, you add your swag. Like everybody is adding something to the room. And so we need everybody. Some of you might be like, well, you know, you mentioned introverts. I really don't like talking to people. Great. We need more of you because there's other introverts in this room. And so if, if someone like me, an extrovert, shows up to this really soft-spoken, quiet, introverted person, and I'm like, yo, what's up? They're like, oh my God, get me away from this man. I hate this thing. This is way too much. The lights are too bright. The people are too friendly. Get me out of here. But then they meet you sitting in a corner, quietly reading your book. I'm sorry if I'm picking on those of you. I'm just talking about my wife, okay? And all of a sudden, they feel like that person I can approach. Why? Because we're all different. This is the beauty of the church. It's our diversity that attracts diversity. 
It's the fact that we are into different things. And so you might like sports and you might like anime and you might be really into math and I might really like reading and you might, you know, enjoy, what are jogging? I don't know who enjoys jogging. Maybe you enjoy jogging. Maybe you're weird like that, right? No matter what, we come to these things and we start to understand, hey, listen, there's somebody for everybody. Why? Because we're all part of the body. And so what happens is when, when you're no longer here, we're missing a part of who we are. You're important. This is why we want small groups because we want to try to, to break the groups down into smaller groups so that we notice if you're not around. So that we could follow up with you, so that we could check in on you and say, hey, is everything all right? Are you okay? Yeah, you know, my mom's car broke down. I don't have a ride to church anymore. Okay, well, let's figure out a way to do that. This is the whole aspect. I'm saying this because I need you to understand, no matter what anyone has ever said to you, you are valuable, incredibly and intrinsically valuable. You have been brought here not because your mom and dad made you, not because your friend dragged you. You have been brought here because God says, I have a special purpose. Notice what that scripture said. God has put each part just where he wants it. You're here because God wants you to be here. God has a role for you to play while you're here. But if you're not here, nobody can play your role. Nobody can be you but you. And God brought you here so that you can be you. Because someone else needs you in their life too. This is such a huge aspect that's so important for you to really understand. Because it's not just like, well, we need to fill the room. We need as many people. No, it's not just about filling the room. It's about filling heaven. And the more people I can get that have more diversity and more personalities and more giftings, more we can do. Because all of a sudden, somebody shows up and they're like, you know, I'm really, really good at gaming and, and um, you know, I got my own Twitch channel and I got a lot of subscribers and it's awesome, cool. Hey, we're doing this like speed the light thing that we've been trying to raise for money. What if you did like a fundraiser on Twitch for an hour and, and because you're good, people might watch you and, and you might be able to raise some money. Oh, okay, great. Whatever gifting you have, whatever talent you have, I don't care what you think it is or how small you think it is, it's part of the body, man. We want to use it. We want to bring it in. Listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25 through 27, says this makes for harmony among the members, right? Harmony is meaning they're all working together so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are, go are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. This is the beauty of the church, is that if you're struggling if you're hurting, if you're suffering, if you lost a loved one, if you're going through a difficult time, if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts, if you got depression, if you have issues that you're going with, you don't have to go through it alone. We're going to suffer with you. We're going to get in that room. And this is the beauty, man. Sometimes in small groups, we're, we're, we're doing crazy stuff. We're eating weird things. We're having a lot of fun. But there's other times in small groups where we're just being real and honest and transparent and saying, I'm not in a good place right now. And instead of other people going, well, I'm in a good place, sucks for you, we're going to look at you and go, hey, listen, man, I, I don't really have any great answers for, for what you're going through, but I will tell you this, I love you. And uh, if you need somebody to listen to you, I'm more than happy to be here and listen. And do you know what? Sometimes that's all you want, right? You ever been there where you're thinking, I don't want you to give me an answer. I just want you to listen to me. I don't want you to tell me what I should or shouldn't do. I just want to say how I feel and not feel like somebody's judging me for it. This is the beauty of what we do in small groups is we want to be there for each other because at some point we need somebody to be there for us. So we grow together when we keep God as the head. And 
we grow together as different parts of the body and as we each do our own work. But we also grow together when we're healthy. When we are healthy, we grow stronger. You know, they say when it comes to uh, working out or when it, it comes to your body being sick, one of the most important things and most overlooked aspects that you can do is sleep. And I'll be the first one to tell you, I am horrible at that. Okay, now some of you are, are like champion sleepers. Like you can sleep for three days and feel like it's a nap. Some of you are rock star sleepers, okay? But try having like two kids under two years old. You will not be a rock star sleeper anymore. And so I haven't gotten a lot of sleep. But when the body is healthy, it can grow. And so part of what they tell a lot of young people that are growing, get enough sleep. Which is weird because you're like, I only need five hours of sleep. You only think you need five hours of sleep. <laughs> but if you give your body enough rest, it grows. If you give, they say this to people that are working out, bodybuilders. They're like, yeah, you know, you can lift all the weights, you can do all the stuff, make sure you sleep. And say, well, how does that make sense? Because that's when your body recovers. That's when your body rejuvenates. That's when your body grows. You put extra stress on your body just by not sleeping. Now, this sermon isn't about sleeping or not sleeping, but my point is when each of us are doing well spiritually, all of us can grow spiritually. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He said, hey, let's think of ways to get each other encouraged, right? Because here's the reality. You guys have been to those camps, and you've been to, like, Momentum, and you've been to where there's, like, two, 3,000 kids, okay? Two, 3,000 kids that are going after God and that are charging God. Is God bigger in those rooms or are you more encouraged because you see more people pursuing God? More healthy people creates an environment where everybody wants to grow. So when you walk in, you're like, man, it felt dead today. I would ask, well, why aren't you bringing anybody with you? Why aren't you reaching anyone? Man, there was only three people in my small group today. That sounds like your problem, not the leader's problem. <laughs> like, I remember when I was a kid and I first came to Excel. Uh, some of the leaders didn't like me because I didn't grow up in this church, and I don't know, they, maybe they thought I was a thug or something weird or whatever. I don't know, it's their own issue. It was not my issue. But I very clearly felt like they didn't want me here. But the problem was, I liked it here. <laughs> and so my thing is that I don't care if you don't want me here, I'll bring more people than you. <laughs> and so I just started bringing my own friends. So we started a new small group, one that I could go to, and that small group went from four people that were coming here to 25 people because I brought all my friends. And I would literally take my small group leader's van, drive around the city, and pick all my friends up. I would do two, three routes, bring all my friends to small groups, and now my small group's big. Now, part of that was pettiness. But another part of that was I want more people going after God like I'm going after God. And I had fun doing it, and I had great relationships being built out of it, People that are still serving God today and are doing wonderful things for the Lord. But if you have an issue with numbers, you have an issue with the person in the mirror, not with the pastor or the leaders. We're there to help you, but this is your youth ministry, right? You're the youth. And so you want to see God move? Move then. <laughs> you want to see God grow the ministry? It starts with growing you, and then it moves into helping you grow each other. Healthy things grow when you're spiritually healthy then it creates an environment where other people want to grow spiritually healthy as well. 
But the opposite is also true. Unhealthy things can grow. Tumors in your body can grow. Cancers in your body can grow. And so you got to look at, say, well, what am I feeding? What am I paying attention to? What am I allowing to grow? And what am I allowing to die? And take responsibility. Don't make Excel someplace you attend where you just show up and we cater to you and make you feel good. And I say a few good words. And you're like, ah, I feel better. And then you go home. Excel is somewhere you participate where not only is God doing something in you, but now God is doing something through you into the lives of other people that you have relationships with. This is the whole aspect of why, because why we put such an emphasis on small groups. Everything we do in our youth ministry revolves around our small groups. Because if we can get a hold of you more on a one-on-one, have you build relationships with each other, you can grow the bigger. This Thursday night grows as Friday night goes deeper. As Friday night has greater intimacy, as you build on it. Why do you think when we go to Momentum, you're always roomed with your small group people? Why do you think when we would have our our spring breakaway, it was always with small groups? It wasn't just a competition thing. It was a building relationships thing. We were trying to get you into an environment where you grew to love each other and you grew to spur each other on and you grew to challenge each other. And now you want to come back and spread that. Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. I talked about when we grow together, we grow together as we keep God as the head. We grow together as we can maintain healthiness. We grow together as each part does its role. But here's the big thing. We grow together when we are full of love. We grow together when we're full of love. Let me go back to the first verse. It says, as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What good would this youth ministry be if it filled the room but it was full of people who talked about each other, who gossiped, who said mean things to you, who made you feel uncomfortable, who bullied you. Who'd want to be in that room? Okay? It's not just about growing, and it's not just about growing together, but it's about growing full of love. Why? Because love attracts. Love makes people want to feel. Here's the reality. People come, and they might enjoy the worship, and they might like the way I speak, But they only come back if they made a connection with you. If they don't make a connection with you, students, they don't come back. Statistically, people have done a lot of research on this. People don't come back to churches more than two or three times if within those two or three times they don't build a relationship with someone in that church. Because we were built for relationships. And so here's the problem. We can do big events and we can invite a bunch of people and we can fill the room. But if when they get in this room, it doesn't feel full of love, then you're just putting water in a bucket with a hole in the bottom. Because it's love that's not only attractive, but sustains it. Where people say, you know what, it's not just that I liked all the other things. I felt loved in that room. I felt like I was part of a family. I felt like people cared about me. I mean, think about this. Most of you in this room can say, I feel like I'm a part of a family. That's why you keep coming back. I feel like people actually care about me here. I feel like people notice. Well, why would that be different for anybody else? So when somebody comes for their first time, people should be jumping out of their seats to get to know them. Now, don't be a weirdo, okay? (laughs) Don't let just run in somebody's face. Don't get all in their personal space and be like, can I be your special friend? 
Okay, that's like a quick way to like never let you come back. <laughs> but what I mean is if you see somebody that you don't know, especially if it's guys or guys, girls or girls, because I don't want you feeling like this is your time to play Mac Daddy or whatever. But if you see a young lady and you're a young lady and she's new, remember what it was like when you were new. And go out of your way to introduce yourself and say, hey, my name's Joey. What's your name? Oh, that's so cool. I'm so glad you're here. How'd you, who invited you? Like, how'd you find out about us? Oh, that's awesome. You saw online? That's so cool. Hey, listen, do you have Instagram? Do you have TikTok? Here's my info. We should keep in touch. That's the kind of thing that says, I got to come back next week. Can I just tell you, just this is an easy thing. I, I mentioned already a few times how I came to Excel when I was 15, and it's obviously been over 20 years and stuff. But I remember one of those pivotal moments. The reason I kept coming back, very simply, is because people knew my name. I remember I came back the second time, and the worship leader, remember Sonny? Sonny was the worship leader, another Filipino guy. We have good Filipino guys in this church. And I came up, he's like, hey, Joey, Lane Tech, right? And I was like, oh, snap, he remembered my name. <laughs> I remember a few weeks later, I was getting on a bus after school on Addison, and as I was getting ready to get on, one of the youth leaders was getting off the bus, and we kind of like awkwardly bumped into each other. And she's like, oh, hey, Joey. And I was like, you remember my name. I didn't say that out loud. But I was in a season where I felt like nobody notices me and nobody cared about me. And for somebody to remember my name, I lit up. And I remember thinking, I want to go there. The worship wasn't great. The atmosphere wasn't what it is. We still had slide projectors and we didn't have small. We didn't have a lot of this cool stuff that you have. But what Excel has always had was a room full of love. And it's love that makes people feel like they belong. It makes people feel like they can come back. It makes people feel like this is a place for them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 13, verse 12 through 13. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. This is the prayer for the church in Thessalonica. He say, amen. I pray that your love for all people will grow and overflow just as our love for you overflows. I can say that on behalf of the leaders and myself as your pastor, that my prayer students, is that your love for each other will not just grow, but it'll overflow. It'll spill out into love for other people. Just the same way we love you. See, these small group leaders that are going to dedicate themselves to showing up every Friday night, most of them are in their early 20s. You don't think they don't have better things to do? Some of them can be doing their homework. They're in college. They have jobs. Some of them can be going on dates and trying to find their wives or their husbands. Some of them can just be hanging out, spending time with their family. There's a hundred other things. None of them get paid. They take Friday night, one of the most pivotal nights for socializing, to socialize with you. Jonathan is taking a night away from his newborn baby and his wife to spend time with you. These leaders... Do it not because they're special or they're great, but because you're special and you're great. And they want to be there for you. 
And so if you appreciate that, my challenge to you is show up every Friday and let them know, I appreciate you being here for me, and I want to be here with you. Take the time to encourage each other to grow and to overflow in the love that God would have for you. Understand, and I hope that you do, that small groups is not something you have to go to. I mean, we're not like going to arrest you if you don't go. It's something you get to go to. It's something that I've always loved, and I think I always will. And it's something that we work really hard to make sure it's not only fun for you, but it's a place where you can grow, where you can open up about what's going on in your life, where you can build relationships with other people, and on top of it all, where you can have a good time too. And so I want us to close. In a moment, we're going to pray. And then I'm going to introduce you to our small group leaders. We've made a few switches and a few changes to the small group leaders uh, just to make some accommodations for some changes there. And then we're going to spend the next 10 minutes having you go into your new small groups according to your grade just so you can meet each other, just so you can exchange contact info, get yourself situated, find out what the game plan is for tomorrow, and just start this next seven, nine weeks of growing and building together. Amen? I right, want you stand so we can pray together. Heavenly Father, Father, we thank you for allowing us this space and this place to be together. And Lord, we love to worship you. We love to hear your word. We love to spend time in your presence. And God, so we ask that you would help us as we grow together. First and foremost, God, help us to make sure that as we're building relationships with each other, we're not forgetting you, God. We're not kicking you out of the conversation. We're not pushing you out of the room. God, I pray that we would understand that the reason we have this unity, the reason we have these relationships, first and foremost, is because of our relationship with you. So help us, God, to always keep you at the center, to always keep you at the focal point of our relationship with each other, God. And Lord, I pray that as we continue to grow together, as we continue to spur each other on, I pray that each of us will play the role that you have given us, God. Every one of us brings something to the table. We bring our own giftings, our own talents, our own personalities, our own just uh, personhood, God, into the room. And Lord, I pray that we would understand just how incredibly valuable that is to the kingdom of God. Lord, I pray that we would grow healthy. Lord, I pray that we would strive in our own devotional life to be the healthiest we can be so that when we gather with each other, we would be a benefit, not just a burden. And Lord, I pray that as that growth begins to accumulate, it'll result in growth and overflowing love so that when people who are new walk in this room, they would feel tangibly the love of God. They would get such a deep sense of family and love that they would say to themselves, I need to come back next week because I feel like I belong. I feel like I am loved. I feel like this is the place that God has me to be. So, Lord, I pray even as we get ready to start small groups, God, help us to get over our laziness, those moments where we don't feel like getting up and getting ready. Help us to, to not come alone, Lord, but to invite our friends and our neighbors, to invite the people in our schools, almighty God. Help us to create an environment and, and not just wait for the leaders to start the conversation, but be ready to engage and be ready to participate and understand that this is to our benefit, God. Lord, help us to grow because we know that healthy things grow. And help us to do things the way you called us to do it. 
We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And if you're watching online, make sure you understand tomorrow night, 6.30, in the parking lot, we're going to have our small group kickoff. We hope to see you there. Now, awesome. We got about five, ten minutes, ten minutes or so. Here's what I need to do. You guys can have a seat. Leaders, stay standing. I'm going to introduce you to the new uh, small group leaders and let you know which grades you're all in. So we are going to start with, drum roll, let me get a lap roll. For sixth and seventh graders, the Stallions, we got Kiana and Elias. Come on up. Come on up, Elias. All right. So you guys, if you can go together over at that corner, that'll be great. All right, for the Eagles, we have an entire switch. New group for the Eagles. If you are in uh, eighth or ninth grade, can I get Sal, AJ, Ali, and Jazia? Eighth and freshman, eighth and freshman are with these four. For the Bulls, sophomores and juniors, we got Lizzie, Gio, Judd, and Val. Why don't you guys come up over here? Lizzie, Gio, Judd, and Val. And last but not least, for my seniors, we got Jonathan Swolioto and Hallie Hailstorm. <laughs> awesome, guys. Hey, let me just say real quick to the leaders, thank you guys once again for the commitment you make to these young students. Uh, every one of these leaders was once a student at Excel and a student in small groups, and God has done something in them that they want to pour back in all of you, and we appreciate the sacrifice and the efforts you make. And guys, if I can remind you throughout the semester, take a moment to say thank you every now and then, just to let them know. Don't act like they owe it to you. Um, really, we owe them. Amen?